O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Wednesday, June 9th. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year focusing on the Biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit. So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10.17 When we listen to the spoken word of God, it is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then get, click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Torah. Numbers 16, 41-50 Speak to the community and say, Withdraw from the abodes of Korah, Dathan and Abiram. Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram, the elders of Israel following him. He addressed the community, saying, Move away from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing that belongs to them, lest you be wiped out for all their sins. So they withdrew from about the abodes of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Now Dathan and Abiram had come out, and they stood at the entrance of their tents with their wives, their children, and their little ones. And Moses said, By this you shall know that it was Hashem who sent me to do all these things, that they are not of my own devising. If these men die as all men do, if their lot be the common fate of all mankind, it was not Hashem who sent me. But if Hashem brings about something unheard of, so that the ground opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into Sheol, 
you shall know that these men have spurned Hashem. Scarcely had he finished speaking all these words when the ground under them burst asunder, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households, all Korah's people and all their possessions. They went down alive into Sheol with all that belonged to them. The earth closed over them, and they vanished from the midst of the congregation. All Israel around them fled at their shrieks, for they said, The earth might swallow us up. And a fire went forth from Hashem and consumed the 250 men offering the incense. First Kings 5, 1-638 Solomon's rule extended over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates to the land of the Philistines and the boundary of Egypt. They brought Solomon tribute and were subject to him all his life. Solomon's daily provisions consisted of 30 cores of semolina and 60 cores of ordinary flour, 10 fattened oxen, 20 pasture-fed oxen, and 100 sheep and goats, besides deer and gazelles, roebucks, and fatted geese. For he controlled the whole region west of the Euphrates. All the kings west of the Euphrates, from Tipsa to Gaza. And he had peace on all his borders round about. All the days of Solomon, Yehuda, and Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, dwelt in safety, everyone under his own vine and under his own fig tree. Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots and 12,000 horsemen. All those prefects, each during this month, would furnish provisions for King Solomon and for all who were admitted to King Solomon's table. They did not fall short in anything. They would also, each in his turn, deliver barley and straw for the horses and the swift steeds to the places where they were stationed. Hashem endowed Solomon with wisdom and discernment in great measure, with understanding as vast as the sands on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the Ketamites and than all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He was the wisest of all men, wiser than Ethan the Ezrahite and Haman, Chalcal, and Darda, the sons of Mahal. His fame spread among all the surrounding nations. He composed 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered 1,005. He discoursed about trees, from the cedar in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall and he discoursed about birds, beasts, creeping things, and fishes. Men of all people came to hear Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. King Hiram of Tyre sent his officials to Solomon when he heard that he had been anointed king in place of his father, for Hiram had always been a friend of David. Solomon sent this message to Hiram. You know that my father David could not build a house for the name of Hashem, his God, because of the enemies that encompassed him until Hashem had placed them under the soles of his feet. 
But now, Hashem my God has given me respite all around. There is no adversary and no mischance. And so I propose to build a house for the name of Hashem my God, as Hashem promised my father David, saying, Your son, whom I will set on your throne in your place, shall build the house for my name. Please then give orders for cedars to be cut for me in Lebanon. My servants will work with yours, and I will pay you any wages you may ask for your servants. For as you know, there is none among us who knows how to cut timber like the Sidonians. When Hiram heard Solomon's message, he was overjoyed. Praised be Hashem this day, he said, for granting David a wise son to govern this great people. So Hiram sent word to Solomon, I have your message. I will supply all the cedar and cypress logs you require. My servants will bring them down to the sea from the Lebanon, and at the sea I will make them into floats and deliver them to any place that you designate to me. There I shall break them up for you to carry away. You, in turn, will supply the food I require for my household. So Hiram kept Solomon provided with all the cedar and cypress wood he required. And Solomon delivered to Hiram 20,000 cores of wheat as provisions for his household, and 20 cores of beaten oil. Such was Solomon's annual payment to Hiram. Hashem had given Solomon wisdom, and as he had promised him, There was friendship between Hiram and Solomon, and the two of them made a treaty. King Solomon imposed forced labor on all Israel. The levy came to 30,000 men. He sent them to the Lebanon in shifts of 10,000 a month. They would spend one month in Lebanon and two months at home. Adoniram was in charge of the forced labor. Solomon also had 70,000 porters and 80,000 couriers in the hills, apart from Solomon's 3,300 officials who were in charge of the work and supervised the gangs doing the work. The king ordered huge blocks of choice stone to be quarried so that the foundations of the house might be laid with hewn stones. Solomon's masons, Hiram's masons, and the men of Gibal shaped them. Thus the timber and the stones for building the house were made ready. In the 480th year after the Israelites left the land of Egypt, in the month of Ziv, that is, the second month, in the fourth year of his reign over Israel, Solomon began to build the house of Hashem. The house which King Solomon built for Hashem was sixty amot long, twenty amot wide, and thirty amot high. The portico in front of the great hall of the house was twenty amot long, along with the width of the house, and ten amot deep to the front of the house. He made windows for the house, recessed and latticed. Against the outside wall of the house, the outside walls of the house enclosing the great hall and the shrine, he built a storied structure and he made side chambers all around. The lowest story was five amount wide, the middle one six amount wide, 
and the third seven a moat wide, for he had provided recesses around the outside of the house so as not to penetrate the walls of the house. When the house was built, only finished stones cut at the quarry were used, so that no hammer or axe or any iron tool was heard in the house while it was being built. The entrance to the middle story of the side chambers was on the right side of the house, and winding stairs led up to the middle chambers and from the middle chambers to the third story. When he finished building the house, he paneled the house with beams and planks of cedar. He built the storage structure against the entire house, each story five a moat high so that it encased the house with timbers of cedar. Then the word of Hashem came to Solomon. With regard to this house you are building, if you follow my laws and observe my rules and faithfully keep my commandments, I will fulfill for you the promise that I gave to your father David. I will abide among the children of Israel, and I will never forsake my people, Israel. Acts 7, 1-29 Then said the high priest, Are these things so? And he said, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Charan, and said to him, Get thee out of your country and from your kindred, and come into the land which I shall show you. Then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans, and dwelt in Sharan, and from thence, when his father was dead, he removed him into this land wherein you now dwell. And he gave him no inheritance in it, no, not so much as to set his foot on, yet he promised that he would give it to him for a possession, and to his seed after him, when as yet he had no child. And God spoke on this wise, that his seed should sojourn in a strange land, and that they would bring them into bondage and entreat them evil four hundred years. And the nation to whom they shall be in bondage will I judge, said God, and after that shall they come forth and serve me in this place. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begat Isaac, and circumcised him the eighth day, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat the twelve patriarchs. And the patriarchs, moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him, and delivered him out of all his afflictions, and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Now there came a dearth over all the land of Egypt and Canaan, and great affliction, and our fathers found no sustenance. But when Jacob heard that there was corn in Egypt, he sent out our fathers first. And at the second time Joseph was made known to his brethren, and Joseph's kindred was made known to Pharaoh. Then sent Joseph and called his father Jacob to him and all his kindred, threescore and fifteen souls. So Jacob went down into Egypt and died, and he and our fathers, and he was carried over into Shechem and laid in the sepulchre that Abraham bought for a sum of money of the sons of Emmor, the father of Shechem. 
But when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt, until another king arose which knew not Joseph. The same dealt subtly with our kindred, and evil entreated our fathers, so that they cast out their young children, to the end they might not live. In which time Moses was born, and was exceedingly fair, and nourished up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up, and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and was mighty in words and in deeds. And when he was full forty years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed, and smote the Egyptian. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they did not understand. And the next day he showed himself to them as they strove, and would have set them at one again, saying, Sir, you are brethren, why do you wrong one to another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Will you kill me as you did yesterday the Egyptian? And then Moses fled at this saying, and was a stranger in the land of Midian, where he begat two sons. Psalm 127, 1-5 Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wakes but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Proverbs 16, 28-30 A froward man sows strife, and a whisperer separates chief friends. A violent man entices his neighbor, and leads him into the way that is not good. He shuts his eyes to devise froward things. Moving his lips, he brings evil to pass. I want to speak to you today from our Torah portion from Numbers chapter 16, and then we're going to jump into 1 Kings chapter 5. And in the concluding verses of chapter 16 of Numbers, we see the consequences that God brings upon Korah and his band of men, and God deals with them very severely. And what we see when the earth opens up and swallows them live, and they go straight down into Sheol, is that God hates rebellion. And Korah and his band of men were in defiance and rebellion against Moses. Moses was, it says in the word, he was the most humble man on earth. And he did not defend himself, but every time that there was any kind of a rebellion, God himself intervened and dealt with the rebellers. So the lesson and the takeaway for us 
is that we want to be very careful that we do not walk in outright rebellion and defiance against God, because the consequences can be very severe and very harsh. He loves obedience. Obedience from the heart. Shema. Hear and obey. May we not walk in rebellion or defiance. Now I want to speak to you from 1 Kings chapter 5 and 6. And here we see in these chapters that Solomon, David's son, is preparing now to build a temple for the Lord. And so in chapter 5, verse 19, it is written, And so I propose to build a house for the name of Hashem my God, as Hashem promised my father David, saying, Your son, whom I will set on your throne in your place, shall build the house for my name. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Because King Solomon reigns over a united and strong kingdom living at peace, he is able to embark upon the building of the Beit HaMikdash, or the temple, in Jerusalem. The Talmud relates that the Mishkan stood in Gilgal for 14 years, in Shiloh for 369 years, and in Nav and Gibbon together for another 57 years, equaling a total of 440 years. After this period, work on a permanent house of God finally began. This monumental project is the high point of the history of the people of Israel. The purpose of the exodus from Egypt was to receive the Torah and to observe it in Eretz Israel, which includes serving Hashem in the place He chose, the Beit Hamikdash in Jerusalem. This temple would serve as a focal point for worship of God by the children of Israel and the rest of the world. So I'd like to add a little bit uh, to that commentary. And um, this vision of the temple, by and large, in most of mainstream Christianity has been lost. Uh, It's not on our radar scope at all. We think, well, I am the living temple of God. His Holy Spirit dwells within me. Yes, this is so. But God also had a brick-and-mortar building once, twice actually, positioned in Jerusalem. And with the building and completion of the temple that Solomon built, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night rests upon that temple the very manifest presence and glory of God was there. So the temple was destroyed on the ninth of Av. Both the first temple and the second temple was destroyed on the ninth of Av. This is very significant. Here in the mainstream Christian world, we need to get our vision back for the temple. Because one day there will be a third temple and the very manifest presence of God will dwell in that temple. And it won't be in New York or Boston or San Diego. It will be in Jerusalem. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Adonai
Vish Mareka Yaya Adonai Anavilaka Vikuneka Isa Adonai Anav Ileka Vayaseleka Leka The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.